<laughs> right, hello everyone. Welcome to Red Men Radio, uh, number fifty-eight. Wow, um, I know, yeah. Calling this question time um, because we're kind of in a bit of a limbo period between the end of the season and then really building up towards the Champions League final. We thought we'd just take a load of your questions from Twitter. So if you're not involved on the Twitter at the Red Men TV. Do get yourself over there and do get yourself involved for future ones because we always do to have a few questions, but this one is question heavy. <laughs> I'm joined, of course, by Mr. Chris Pager. Chris, how are you? I'm all good, mate. You now that um, I've uh, sorted my eyes out. You've sorted your eyes out and you've recovered from a wonderful afternoon of... Uh, being wined and dined. Being wined and dined, but not quite 69 by Gillan Balligan. Yeah, it's madness. Like He he, he was such a lovely bloke. Like um, It was just a mental, mental interview. Probably up there. It's top three strangest things I've ever done at Redbend. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Well, yeah, that, that's, there'll be more of that. It's going to be getting drift fed out across the YouTube and across the website. So, uh, defo worth a watch. We've got a kickoff question. Comes from our good friend Hibbs1001. He says, <laughs> we've we've touched on this, but we've never di- I don't think we've directly addressed it as such. It says what what are your match day superstitions these days? Now I still have people come up to me at the live show last week. People mentioned to me the old double decker thing from back in the day, um, 13, 14. from thirteen fourteen. People, long term listeners and viewers will remember that Chris and I had to have a double decker. It was all part of the part of the process. There was a particular news agent we had to stop in. That was what made Liverpool good that season. Um, now. You've got a, a lucky T-shirt. I know that. Yeah. It's your hold steady T-shirt. Yeah. Anything else? Um, in the big European games, it's been the Liverpool scarf, the, the half and half red uh, Liverpool Liverpool reserve scarf, but didn't take it to Roma. Mm-hmm. And we lost, actually. Um, oh, wow, of course, yeah. So that's back in the game, basically, <laughs> for the final. Um the two legs of the Man City and the first leg of the Roma, I wore exactly the same jeans, I wore exactly the same T-shirt, uh, the t- same Under Armour jumper and my big green coat. Undies? Um, I mean, Socks. I, I did wear them both, but I don't think they were the same. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 so I suppose if you were to, to say to me, like, you know, what the question is, what are your match day superstitions? Well, I always get up and put socks and underwear on after I've had a shower. I always do my teeth. Um, That's just a day superstition. Yeah, it is kind of. But That's you keeping know, you from getting run over. But if I don't do it for the match day, what happens? Anarchy. Anarchy, exactly. Yeah. Organised chaos. Maybe. Is there anything like anything else other than just, just clothing? No, nothing. Good on you. I mean, I don't believe that for a second. No, I genuinely second. don't. Okay. I, you know, I sweat the small stuff. Yeah. More than the the big stuff. Like, yeah. so <laughs> there are things in my life that I have to do. Yeah. But it's not related to football. Cool. I um yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I mean, like in, You've got in your lucky turn style. Well, no, I I haven't. I, I I made a point of not having a lucky turn style. There's like a. Because now you've got like a. It was a, only a few weeks ago when you went. Hang on, I'm going in that one. No, no. Like what I mean is, there's like an entrance. There's an entrance way. I'm not. I'm not. I used to be particular over the turnstile again. Like a thirteen, fourteen. It was go through a particular turnstile. Go a particular set of stairs. Why did you pick that turnstile? Less. Uh, it was just nearest to where I come round to the cop. There's no no thinking behind it. There was one for a while where there was an incredibly attractive lady student. No, that was That's like, what I was looking for. That was like a season or so ago. Like, yeah, there was a, a, a beautiful young woman who used to work on one of the turnstiles who just brightened me day. Um, Not exactly lucky. Well, no, I, de- I definitely didn't get lucky. Um, but yeah, there's. I, I, you know what? They've been a bit. It's not been as prevalent for me this time around. And I think it kind of feeds into a lot of the stuff I've said is that it's because I don't feel as though I feel like this side can do it without me. 
You know what I mean? I feel like I'm not me, me clinging on to some sort of cosmic abnormality is not what's making Liverpool good this season. But, you know, I've heard good things. Like this jacket, I... I had it in Porto and I, and I wore it in Roma, but as you say, we technically lost in Rome, so I don't think it matters so much. There's bits and pieces. I'm not that. Yeah, I, I'm not too. I'm not. I'm not too bad. No, no. Every, yeah, yeah. Good. Because I think the the point is, do you ever like something that I'd never have to do? Would you ever have to shave on the morning of a game or no. anything? Like no, that? I'm, no. I, I've made a point this season of trying not to be beholden to it to some degree. So I've like I've pushed it a bit. Like there's things that maybe I've done for I've done for a couple of games. Like it might be a. I'll go to I'll go and I'll, I'll eat this and I'll do this and then I'm like, no, don't because what I found was in thirteen fourteen, it, it was like I had me coked. I had a coat that I wore all season. <laughs> in the, I remember in the I summer you were still wearing the coat, sweating, sweating. As I can't leave myself in this situation where I can't wear a coat to the game because it's too hot and I can't have that coat be the most important thing in Liverpool season. So uh, I, I've yeah I, I managed to to ro- I've rotated my clothes in a little bit better. And my routine a little bit better. So I think probably that you know, if there's any one man whose superstitions do affect Liverpool's performance, it's probably Tom Dutton, right? Because he literally wears the same thing every day, which means every match day he's wearing the same thing. So if he wears the LA 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 shirt that we got him for the game, mm. I might be a little bit worried on that. Admittedly, there's like I've had I've, I've had some cool new t-shirts and random stuff drop in. I, I mean, I'm saying it. There's some things I won't. There's some things I won't do. Like, because you know what it is. I, I've, I've said this in the past, but it was like the 2008, 2009 away shirt. The, the, the grey silver one. Love that shirt. It's my favourite away shirt in recent times for Liverpool. I we lost a few games or drew a few games when I was wearing it, and I was like, oh no, I'll stop it. I was like, no, I love this too much. I'm going to wear it till we're good. And and there's there's like that LA t-shirt. I haven't I haven't worn mine on a match day because. I really like it, and I don't sure. want it to have. I don't want it to have negative connotations. I don't want to be like, oh, this. You know what I mean? I don't want. To, I don't want to not have, be able to wear it over the summer or whatever. I've so. worn mine twice at the match: one draw, one win. Solid, solid record. It's decent, isn't decent. it? I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, the problem I'm still got... wearing me hold steady share for the yeah, final. Absolutely. Um, so, so as mentioned, we're gonna do just loads and loads of questions from you guys this week. Uh, some really interesting ones, some really random ones. We're gonna go to news in brief first, though. Um, two things. One thing really interesting, actually, Chris, Liverpool have been invited to enter a new format, Club World Cup. Now, I thought when I saw the headline of this, I was like, they're getting ahead of themselves here. They've got to win the European Cup before you worry about this. But no, they're looking to change the format. Uh, 20, June 2021 is looking like it's going to be the first one. 24 team tournaments, 12 teams from Europe, and clubs have to have at least three European Cups to enter, apart from the three spaces that they're going to use to shoe on Man City, Chelsea, and probably like another Italian club. Into. Out of interest, is that because there aren't 24 teams who've won three European Cups? I would, well, 12. Um, Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd imagine. I'd imagine that's the case. There's not that many. Are you talking? You're talking Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Liverpool, AC Milan. Yeah. Um, Juventus obviously don't have it. Mm. Uh, Dortmund have two, don't they? I think. Do they two? Ninety six. I remember. Yeah, ninety six. Definitely. Like I think that's so. They've got at least one. But yeah, I mean, 
There's not um, that. There's not twelve. Essentially. Yeah, I mean, it means Nottingham Forest falls short. Unfortunately, did they win any intercontinental cups though? Well, that's what they've done. have been the side. Yeah, entered on that basis. Well, they said that yeah, they're gonna let UV in because they've won two and two intercontinental cups. Intercontinental cups. It's like all right, yeah, that's what, and that's where it starts to get a bit like it's wink, the creme wink. de la creme de la creme. Apart from what well, we really do need UV in there, and Man City have got a lot of money, haven't they? So you Chelsea know, don't mind paying. Do I mean they'd have liked to have won three? So, I mean, that's almost as good as having three, except that it's not. So the tweet... Did actually, you see that video of the, the lad going around Manchester yesterday or the day before asking for directions to Kiev? No. Fucking brilliant. Amazing. Anyone in a Man City shirt, he was like... This guy just walks past him in a Man City shirt and he goes, do you know which way Kiev is, mate? And the guy goes... <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I did see a tweet... Um, Apologies, I can't remember. It's a good. It's someone. I think it might be Ben Webb might have tweeted it, and it was someone saying Phil Foden, the seventeen-year-old lad's got oh, more Premier League slush. titles oh, yeah, yeah, than yeah. Uh, Stephen Gerrard, and it's like Trent Alexander-Arnold, the nineteen-year-old lad's been to going to more Champions League finals than Man City in their entire history. So yeah, just bear that in mind. Interesting stuff. Did you see the picture of Foden on the on the homecoming thing? No. So everyone like Peps on the fucking throwing beers out into the crowds and. Bernardo Silva's drinking champagne and Foden's got a Vimto slush because he's not old enough to drink, is he? <laughs> he's clearly requested that as well because they've not gone, I'll just get him a Vimto slush. I'll he's... get him a bit. Imagine if he did, um, but like, I don't know which is worse. What's worse, that he's requested that or that someone's I know what these young kids drink. Yeah, and they've got, I know he's gone. He's gone, I'll, who wants a champagne? I'll have a champagne. Oh, none for you, Phil. We've got you in so slushy there, lads. <laughs> and he's gone, oh, okay. Thanks. I really, but I want a champagne. That's well, really nice anyway. It's, it's fine. Sweet. It's really sweet and icy. It's icy-y. like moonshine. <laughs> um, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But yeah, the, 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 the Club World Cup stuff, the talk that participants could earn £100 million and China are, are after hosting the first tournament as well. This is, this is the future. I don't think there's any stopping this, if I'm honest. We've talked about the European Super League being a thing. It's been 20-odd years they've been, they've, been, they've been banging on about this, and it's never looked likely. I think this is the first step to that. Mm. Make a massive tournament. The Club World Cup's a bit, a bit of a joke, isn't it, at the moment? It's pathetic. Mm. Only because we haven't won it. Mm. Mm. But yeah, no, I think it's 100 million if you win it, and it's 50 million guaranteed, and then obviously there's different uh, different prices for how far you get into the But when you consider it, we've basically, you know, we talk, that's what we've made almost for going to the final of the Champions yeah. League. It's, it's incredible, and there's so much money to be made in football, isn't there? If you can fit it in, I can understand why the clubs would want to be involved in it and stuff like that. And the, and I imagine there'd be prestige in this tournament, the fact that there's 12 teams from Europe, 12 teams from the rest of the world or whatever. Um, but, you know, we've been talking now for the past how many years about why English clubs aren't winning the Champions League and, you know, it's because Liverpool haven't been in it, I think is the real answer. But... Um, we know how hard our domestic season is. We know how hard it is to challenge in European competition as well, um, taking the red tinted glasses off for a moment. To then say, oh, we're going to fill another summer up is a bit like, come on, man, are you, are you for real? Like, you are actually ruining these players by playing them all year long, it, every year. It is interesting, and, and it makes you wonder, how, again, whether teams would take it seriously. And I guess they, just the money means that they'd have to. And, you know, as, at the minute, it would be in, a, in in one of those summers that doesn't have a Euros or the World Cup, and they're talking about moving the Confederations Cup, I think, you know. But this is, for me, this is potentially the... the 
the beginning of the end for international football, you know, in, in potential as well. Because what happens if this? I mean, this tournament could that, that could have carry the same prestige as a Euros. You know, there's a chance that more people would give a shit about yeah. watching would, watching that. Well, because it's not England. Because it's not England. Yeah. It's watching Liverpool, isn't it? Ultimately, and you know, I must admit, like, okay, I've not really thought this one through, so you're gonna have to bear with me a little bit on this. But how many games are we talking about here? It's called a cup. Yeah. For a start, well, 24 becomes 12, becomes 6, becomes 3. Well, the Euros was 24 teams, wasn't it? Like, the last Euros. But, that, but the Champions League is called a league. Yeah. I'm thinking it should be a cup competition because it's fewer games. Mm-hmm. If Because it's a summer competition. Yeah. That's what I would I would hope that it would be, rather yeah. than a league where you're, you're guaranteed to play yeah. this many what, games. What I mean is, then it would it be, it would, you'd imagine it would be... Uh, group stage followed by not followed by knockouts. See, that, that's what I don't, wouldn't want. Yeah. I'd rather have it as a thirty-two teams becomes sixteen teams becomes eight becomes four becomes two. They can't, do but that, they can't do that with twenty-four. Well, I don't they, think they can't do it with twenty-four. But also, you gotta, you can't. They wouldn't do that because they'd end up with a. They, they couldn't. You'd want to guarantee that Real Madrid play at least three games. In the tournament, you know what I mean. That's that. That's the way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, like I said, the Euros, isn't it? And they look at these and they just go, "What's the most we can? What's the most we can milk out of these?" Like, um, but so be it. I, 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 again, I'd be interested. I'd rather watch a Liverpool in a in a true world club tournament. See you in twenty twenty one in China, my friends. Yes, cannot wait. <laughs> Maybe we'll swear of that. Um, hopefully, we'll have some fresh blood to take over the long flight hall, long haul flights. That, or maybe that's by, by the time we've been. Maybe that time we're just basically the the the, the Hulk Hogan. That's and our Rick fucking Flair. WrestleMania, mate. Yeah, that's our we're just coming back for the win. we're just coming for the big tournaments. Um, fantastic. So yeah, we're gonna go through. Oh yeah, sorry, no. Actually, there's one more piece of news. Bigger news for our um, for our domestic compatriots at Toffee TV, of course. But, but not rivals. Base. But not rivals. But not it's rivals. what you didn't say there, Paul. That, I, that <laughs> rang loudest, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, Sam Allardyce has been sacked. Yeah, he's rinsed them. Ten million quid. He's taken a team from thirteenth to eighth. That ten job. million quid. His job was done before he even set foot in the dugout. They won that game. Dave Unsworth won his last game in charge against West Ham. Everton got within three points of the European places for winning that, and everyone went, "Oh, hang on, shit." Oh dear, um, yeah. I mean, he's he's got it, isn't he? And I think because I think he, I think Sam Allard, I think don't think Sam Allardyce has the same of opinion of himself as everyone else in football has of him. Um, I don't mind Allardyce particularly, it, but he, I, he was never. He was. It's the England squad coming out today. Yeah. Okay, so he's been sacked on the day he should have been releasing his England squad. Oh. <laughs> That's like a double kick in the teeth, oh, isn't it? Oh, no, I'd not even thought about that. He should be making his plans. <laughs> his summer plans for his first ever World Cup as an international manager, Sam Aladicio. Sam Aladici. And he And he's not. He's just going to be at the job centre. In fact, he won't be. He'll be drinking bottles of sh- Gravy, pints of wine, and gravy chasers. Yeah, I love, I love the the, the Evertonians that are as happy about this as they would have been. Like they they they're more happy and vociferous than Liverpool fans are. We're going to a European Cup final. They've just sacked Sam Allardyce as their manager, having finished eighth in the Premier. Toffee League. TV's Twitter and Instagram have been pretty good today. Mm, just sad pictures of Sam Allardyce with a little bit of writing around them. Fantastic. The um, uh, yeah, fair, I mean, fair play. But the thing that I don't get is the Marco Silva. Stuff I get, I, I got it last season. I got it as in like 
he's clearly good. He's clearly a good manager, and he's got a little bit of experience now in the Premier League, and that would have been it. That would have made a solid, been a solid appointment. But they've had a year to think about this. They've had all year to think about it, and their answer to the to the Everton conundrum is to get Marco Silva. Look, it might work, but yeah, it feels it, underwhelming. It, it, I think it does from the outside looking in, but I think much like Jurgen Klopp. If he decides a play is right, he doesn't mind waiting for it. And Mashiri's decided a year ago that Marco Silva was the right guy. And if rumours are to believe, then Watford are putting an official complaint now about Everton tapping him up, haven't they, and mm-hmm. stuff. I think that was that happened uh, late last night or whatever. Excuse me. Um, if rumours are to be believed, and that did unsettle him, and he was trying to almost force a way out, then you can't really look at the first few games of this season as to why... He shouldn't be signed. Do yeah. you know what I mean? You've got to just take it on the basis of last season. Does that make sense? No. If he's unsettled and he's not performed because of that unsettling, yeah, or because he wants to move on, then oh no, 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 he's not looking at that thinking that's the real Marco. Oh Silva. no, no, no. Yeah, I mean previous. that's fair. Like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's how he's if that's how he is judging it, it's fine. Like I mean, but what I mean is, is that for a club that's supposed to have. Mega, mega millions and billions in the mid, and the show wanted to show big intent and big ambition. But they don't, and they never will. Well, there you go. That's but that's the difference. That's the that, crux of it. But that's the story they've been sold, isn't it? And it's um, just it, it promises to be a very interesting summer of them spending ludicrous amounts of money on bang average Premier League quality players. First question this week comes you from mean another, another Everton, another Sigurdsson, mate, Kilfi mm. Sigurdsson. You could have bought. I mean, they got fifteen million pound change on Mo Salah. <laughs> yeah, but Gilfie lad, you know what I mean? It's good at free kicks. He was the one, and they needed another six number tens. <laughs> ben at Youngie LFC ninety nine. Have there been any players you've been genuinely disappointed in this season? I can't say there has been. Hmm. Um, maybe, maybe there's a recency bias to that. Think, thinking about it a little bit deeper, maybe Sturridge I was a little disappointed in early yeah. on in the season. Um, that's probably it. Like the, I'm, I'm not disappointed in the performances of some players, but I'm disappointed in the seasons in that Adam Lallana, Nathaniel Klein. Going into the season, if you'd have said to me, Klein, he's going to miss pretty much the entire season, that, dis- that would have disappointed yeah, yeah, yeah. me. Um, but... You know, the emergence of Trent, the emergence of Joe Gomez, that means that's fine. Lalana's performance haven't exactly been disappointing for how long he's been out yeah. for, but I'm disappointed to have not had Lalana. Yeah. Like I said, I've got Sturridge as the only one I noted down there, and I got it with a question mark because it's not because, look, we did like a, a transfer show three seasons ago, and I said we should have booted him three years ago. He was done. You know, and he's. So I'm I'm kind of disappointed because it was his this was his last hurrah, this was his last chance, and I think we've seen at this point because I I've seen how good Daniel Sturridge can be. You know what a phenomenally talented footballer is, great finisher, and it's just his body's just let him down. So I'm disappointed. I'm not disappointed. I, don't, he, I, I and there's people who are disappointed in him, which is wrong because there's no way Daniel Sturridge wants to be not fully fit. Mm. And does, I'm sure Daniel Sturridge wakes up every morning and goes, oh, how can I be slower and more injury prone? What can I do? What can I do to make this happen? It just doesn't happen, does it? So I'm disappointed because I, I thought this. I thought Daniel Sturridge had a role in the squad. Now, 
with the gift of hindsight of looking back on the full season, I'm fully not asked. I'm not asked because I think that, you know we've. I don't think we've missed them. Um, or rather, I mean, I guess we have. I mean, we'll never know, of course, will we? It's like the Coutinho, the Coutinho thing. You don't. It's the intangibles that you can never measure. It would have been nice to have an, uh, another striker who could score slightly more goals. Because again, Ings got one. You know, uh, Solanke got one. If yeah, I, I wouldn't have shocked me to see Daniel Sturridge get five or six or seven or whatever. Maybe in that an, time. he would have got more than that. Even yeah, you never maybe. know, do you? But yeah, what maybe. what does that mean for the development of those other players? Of the players you've been out, and there's a question about the loan stuff in a bit. Um, but yeah, yeah it's Gareth Roberts, um, Roberts ninety five. Why? Well, well, let's skip to that then. He says. Um, which of the youth players, youth team players, as players on loan, will be in and around the first team next season? Um, I would be surprised to see Divock Origi back in the fold. Yeah. I would be surprised to see Ovi Ajaria back in the fold. I would be surprised to see Shea Ojo back in the fold. Um, I hope to see Harry Wilson yeah. because I don't see what more he can do. Yeah. I mean, I've. I was, I was reading an interesting thread on Twitter and I forget, so apologies whose thread it was, but it was like, the question was posed, has there ever, ever been a more impressive loanee from Liverpool to someone else yeah, I can't think in the last 10, 15 years? Um, and and that's it really, isn't it? I mean, he's he's done brilliantly and he's done brilliantly in the unders when he's been in there as well. Um, you'd like to hope, as you say, that he would get back into in and around this squad. I think Bruce, there's another one who I think will be in and around the squad mm-hmm. next season if we can tie up his contract or whatever yeah. it is, or, or those those grey areas there. I think Woodburn's going to be in and around the squad again. Mm-hmm. I think Gruwich has got a has got a possible place in the squad. Fact, he's another one. He's probably the the two. Best loan moves Liverpool have had in recent time probably come this season. They probably come from Grealish and that. I, I I don't know about the Marco Grealish stuff. I don't. I still don't know where he fits in Liverpool's team and system. What he's probably done for himself there though is guaranteed himself a fifteen million pound move to a newly promoted Premier League team. If not, if yeah. nothing else in that, I, I wonder whether like we, you know we've we've spoken so many times at, at length about Klopp's plan B's and stuff like that, but the way that Fellaini can just rough up a game of football, Grewich has got that ability in him, yeah, and I think he's a much tidier player as well. You know, he's not. Oh, sorry. He will be a much tidier player yeah. than Fellaini. I don't think at the moment he probably is, but I do see that there's. I, I look at the squad and I think to myself, you know what. I like, I like why we've been linked with Lanzini because, for me, he fulfills a role in the squad that I don't think we've got if we don't have a fit Adam Lallana. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see Adam Lallana as a creative midfielder, but not in the same mould as Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain or Jeannie Wijnaldum or something. Mm-hmm. So I like the Lanzini fit because Adam Lallana's 30 years old now. Yeah. You know, he turned 30 a few days ago. Um, he's coming off the back of missing almost a, an entire season. For me, filling that type of a role is cool. And then equally going back onto the Grudy sort of, we don't have a midfielder like Grewich, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't mind that option. But it's where the Klopp sees it like that, isn't yeah, it? Exactly, and and it's also that because we talked about it a bit during the season about we made like the Fellaini comparison of just throwing someone, throwing a midfielder, and just throwing them in behind the, the front line. But uh, and I would, and I was totally on board with that until I saw how we lined up against Brighton with putting Solanke and beyond the line instead, and how much that how much that changed things. And I think I don't think you need. I think the problem with Grujic is that you can do it with Fellaini because, well, I'm funny you can do it at Man United because he's just grateful to be at Man United because he's never going to be in a better club in his life, is he? Let's be honest. And he's a bit older and I'm, I'm, I'm blah, 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 blah. Whereas I don't know that you, for what you, for how often and what you would need him for, 
I think it would be a, it, it's a waste to, to have Grujic to keep him to, to keep him there in that regard. I'd, but I agree that it wouldn't. It's you can do worse than having a ladder. You can just smack the ball up to. Yeah. Periodically. It, it's mad though, isn't it? Be, because of the injury this season, he may have got games in the Premier League towards yeah. the end of it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's just the way that that's just the way that football goes sometimes, isn't it? So I and, and here's the thing that and that's why Jurgen Klopp's so important in all of this. He wouldn't I don't think he'd keep a player for what you've just explained there, for that that or what I've just said, sorry, of that you might need him towards yeah, the end of the season. Yeah. He just wouldn't do that to a player. Um whereas you know, I'm not as much of a people person. I wouldn't give a shit as much about Grewitch. If he fulfilled something that I thought the squad needed, I'd keep him anyway. But yeah. then, you know, Klopp's cultivated an atmosphere around the thing yeah. that and his th- way is the right and way. And this is the great way. They probably just do it again. They've got the spreadsheet and they're like, right, this is how many minutes we've got left in the squad. What can we trim off to to, to plan for to plan for the future? And look, if it means that, you're right, maybe Grewitch would have helped in the back end of the season but if it means he comes back actually able to contribute properly next season then it was a, it was a calculated calculated gamble just on the Harry Wilson stuff I mean thing is that lad's going to be a Welsh international for the next 15 years mm. because Wales will pick him regardless of whether he's in League 1 Championship or the Premier League or abroad or whatever I don't I just don't know where he. Put, I, don't, I, I, watched, I was watching his goals back this morning for Hull, and it's it's mad how many different types he scores. Like cut, cutting in from the right on his left hand foot, arrive uh, on his left hand foot. Wow, it's true. Just never. No one's ever said it that way. Um, coming in from the left hand side, arriving late, sticking stuff at his, sticking stuff in. Whatever. He's clearly a very very talented lad. I just don't know if he's. I think in the championship, I think he's fine to play on the on the flanks. I don't think in the Premier League, I would want him to play there and so it's then whether he is you mould him in like what you used to describe as the the Lalana role because he hasn't got electric pace quick he's probably quicker than Lalana but he's is he then intelligent enough to play in in midfield for Liverpool at the at the top end I hope so I genuinely hope because like I say he's got an eye for goal which should and it's and it's now not an eye for goal where he's scoring against a bunch of kids his own yeah. age he's gone and done it in a very very competitive league so yeah he's, he's given himself the best possible chance if nothing else um, okay following on a little bit from the from, well, from my answer certainly from, from Ben's question earlier Sean Madman Robbo 26 where do you think Sturridge will be next season I mean Almost 100% it's not, not Liverpool. Liverpool. Um, I've got. I've honestly got no idea where, where he could the, land, mate. In the fact that he gets injured like in his Ham. first game for West Brom. There was a great point made. Um, I, I had made somewhere, I can't for the life of me where I heard it, but it was along the lines of centre-forwards will always have a value and someone particularly with Daniel Sturridge, uh, is all, someone will always take a punt on Daniel Sturridge because they will think, well, we just won't train him. We'll just keep him. We'll just put him in for matches, and he'll score us. And because you've just got to look at how few people actually do score goals. If he could get ten goals across a season, that's more than most teams in the Premier League yeah. have players yeah. who score that that's amount great. of goals. But I've got I got Newcastle, Bournemouth, West Ham's. It will always be a decent shout because that's where we offload players we don't want to for more money. Than I just think, like if you if you're analysing the type of team that he's going to go to. For me, it's got to be someone that plays two up top and there just aren't that many of them. Mm. Because, you know, you could go to a Rafa side, but but how are they going to play him in? 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How he, I, he, we know that he's not at his best when he's playing that one up top because he doesn't have the pace that he used to have to be able to get in behind. So yeah. you need a team that's going to work him in. And teams lower down the league just don't play like that. There's yeah. not enough. Like you might get a Brighton who likes to play the ball around and stuff like that. But again, with the one up top stuff, you know, you've got your two wingers. Are they feeding balls in? No. If he was to play, if Crystal Palace were to play a two up top, play him off someone like a Christian Benteke, that that type of thing would that work would for me. Yeah, that would be very but interesting. I just can't see it unless he's playing in a two up top. It is. It is. It is. It is it's a conundrum, isn't it? And I, I just think he's. T- my immediate thought was just sort of thinking of teams in the championship and it's whether someone abroad, because you know, you're seeing it a little bit more teams abroad is actually starting to, to dabble more with four four two and might there might be someone in Spain or Italy who's who who, who he could have a, a decent season with. Um it's a real tough one and like I say, I love Daniel Sturridge, I love the bones of him. I think he's a great man and he's a he's a he's a terrific footballer. I hope he gets a move that's befitting of him. And I or unequally though, I hope he doesn't make the right the wrong decision for the right reasons. If mm-hmm. that, you know what I mean. Like, I hope he doesn't end up somewhere that doesn't fit him because he feels he should be, he yeah. should be somewhere. I'd rather him go somewhere like if, like a like a Bournemouth. You know what I mean? If you know somewhere less fashionable, but it's gonna it's gonna he's gonna be a mega star to them, and they're gonna treat him the right way. Be interesting to see, regardless. Um, you touched on this a little bit just earlier, Chris, with with Lanzini, but make me dream. He was at Clep. Underscore underscore says, who do you want Liverpool to sign and why? Yeah, there's there's a few players. I mean, like, listen, I'd love someone like a Jorginho. Again, going back to my um, point before about filling roles in the squad, I'd love someone like an Indiri, a proper destroyer as well. Someone who loves to get involved in the tackling side of things. Um, A ticky forward who can play across all of the front three. If we're going to dabble with this 4-2-3-1 that we saw against Brighton with Firmino in the 10, then I'd want a a superstar up front. So Timo Werner, for example. You know, I'd love a Pulisic as well. I want a really strong centre-half. Alderweireld would be the one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not not much to ask for, Paul. Not really, I suppose. I would, if I could only make right now, and this will change. This changes day by day, and I'll probably do a video on this at some point soon. Probably when we get past the Champions League. But if you told me we could only sign Toby Alderweireld and Ryan Sessegnon this summer, I'd be made up. That would do. That would do me. I think we need a bit more. Um, but I think that what another. Alvarez better than Lover and he's better than Matip and therefore that's a, that's a better centre back pairing we've got. And I think because I think Van Dijk's better than Vertonghen and I think they would be. I think that that could potentially be a great partnership there, and it's, it would be out of the mould for Liverpool as well. I th- I don't think we'll buy an, an old centre half. I think we'll go and find the next dot dot dot. Um, it was interesting. We just watched the um, we watched the entirety of the eighty four Cup uh, European Cup final. We need a new Mark Lawrenson. And I'd never realised this until I watched him play. Everyone bangs on about Hansen, and Hansen's very, very Van Dyke. Lawrenson was the first one who used to bring the ball out like that, wasn't well, he? Well, not even for that. The quite well, what what we need him for is the opposite of that. What Lawrenson, because Lawrenson wasn't bringing the ball out in that game, but what he was, he's just so fast. His recovery was incredible. He was the one who was doing all the all the running in the centre back pairing. Al Hansen was just strolling about the pitch, heading things, winning things. Strolling up the pitch a little bit, laying it off and whatever. Lawrenson was I, I gave Lawrenson my man of the match twenty years on. But the cause he he, he was that he was just so ener- so energetic in how he performed. And um that's what I think we I think we I've said in the past, I think we need a Carragher, but I think if you if you could get a Carragher with pace, that would solve a lot of things. And unfortunately I think 
you're better off you're better off shopping in the 18 19 20 year old bracket in that regard because it's a lot of physical exertion that we 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 ask of these players um and again if we can train someone up in that regard there's one thing as well interestingly we talk about maybe the impact of what losing Bouvach will do it's not a concern for the defence Jürgen Klopp has been organising defence since he was playing manager at, at Mainz so yeah being able to, to blood people in the way that he wants to be done I think that would be a, would be a, the answer for me I don't know who that player is of course but addition Ryan Sessegnon someone's going to take a punt on him this summer regardless of whether Fulham come up or not he is the next great young talent we should spend whatever it takes to get him because that he he solves or uh, so many problems for us. He plays. He can play him left wing as understudy to Mane, or you can play him right wing as understudy to, to Salah. He's got a great eye for goal. Phenomenal pace. Again, can be trained up. And if you really need an offensive cover for the for the fullback position as well, that way you can let Moreno. You want if Moreno wants to move on, although it looks like we're actually offering him a new contract, which is also sound. That yeah, Ryan Session would be my. My absolute pick. Not wrong. I mean, a pool of sitch, etc., etc. But yeah, assassinion all day long. Um, ESB88 asked us this one. He says, Build the worst referee from their worst attributes, not restricted to Premier League decisions against LFC or this season. I.e., who is the worst at or has the worst categories? Haircut, demeanor, run, <laughs> decision making, bias, and any others you can think of. I really struggled with this. I've got no idea, none whatsoever, because they're all just the same. They're all crap to me, and I hate every single one of them. Like I've so like I go to you know when you go to the game, people turn around and go, "Who's the ref today?" or whatever, because like not everyone buys a program or whatever nowadays, and you don't tend to see that on Twitter very often unless it's a big game, do you? About who the ref is, and I look at them and I'm like. I don't know why I'm looking. I don't. I can't pick any of them apart. They're all just divvies. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 a few of them, but again, individual attributes or whatever. I couldn't. I just think the, the referees are just. I think you're right. There's, there's a, they become so bland. I mean, the days of a Graham Paul or a Pierre Luigi Kalina or God, even a Clattenberg. Even Clattenberg stood out in his own way, or, or Howard Webb. Love him or hate him, at least you knew he, he, knew like, he was. Kevin Friend could walk past me. He could walk up to me and say, "Hi, I'm Kevin Friend," and I'd be like. Who? And then I go, you, oh, you, you on Facebook? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and there's a few, I mean, uh, Pawson was, was terrible. Friend was terrible. Martin Atkinson, terrible. Yeah, I, 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 let us know, though, in the comments, or you can email us, or you can tweet in, because some people do know this and pay more attention to this. And in fact, ESB88, let me know yours, because you, you, you could give us your answer to it, because I think you thought about it more than maybe we, we've got time for here can build your worst referee on it and let us know what what you've got for it. Uh, okie dokie. Adam Boland, ginger underscore Boland, opinion on the under-17 semi-final penalty shootout with Ireland and Netherlands, disgraceful refereeing. Um, you got, you watched this very briefly before we started. Yeah. Have you ever seen a player, a goalkeeper sent off, let alone booked? Well, he was booked, wasn't he, therefore sent off? No, no, not for leaving your line. I can't remember one single occasion. So, for people who've not seen this, under 17 Euros, Holland versus Ireland, it's the decisive penalty. Netherlands player steps up, keeper pulls off an absolute world of a save. Davinson's is right, pushes it away. Illegal. Illegal save. Yeah, referee books him. It's his second yellow, sends him off because he moves off his line before the ball was kicked. The kid is like, he's like a 17, 16, 17 year old kid. Devastated. He's rolling around like Ronaldo 
when no one's touched him. Mate. So you know exactly what he's, he's doing. Like, he's he, devastated. He gets, he gets like all his mates come and help him get off the pitch and he's crying his eyes out and he's he's having to give his kit over and this, this put a centre half in goal and they, they score Holland score and they go through and Ireland add yet another person to the shit list. There's a wall somewhere in Ireland of people who are just not allowed back. It's probably at like the ports and the airports and it's just do not let this man in. And it's basically a big picture of Thierry Henry. Uh, and now they've got this referee alongside as well. Absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible. I mean I've seen the, the proper analysis trying to analyse going well he did move and it's like oh fuck off fuck off when is, just since when does a goalkeeper not move that's the only way to save a penalty is unless unless you stay still and they kick it down the middle and it's almost impossible to save a penalty if you don't move so yeah I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite annoyed about that um, we're going to take some more questions in a moment but uh, some amazing things coming up for you in fact, two things that we're going to let you have a little, a little sneaky peek at. As mentioned, we've done, uh, we watched the whole of the 1984 European Cup final. We've done an alternative commentary track to it, so we found the version of it online that you can watch through. Uh, I, I wonder if you, you might even be able to get it on the Liverpool website as well if you're if you're on there. But you can play along our our, our, our commentary as a podcast while watching it and, and hear our thoughts on the game. Um, here's a little bit of that. Is the wobbly leg something that Bruce did just off his own back, or did someone someone tell him to do it? Just off his own back. Yeah, I think. So it's interesting here that they're talking about the the because goalkeepers weren't allowed to move, like you weren't allowed to move off your spot. So really? you, the, yeah, the, you couldn't like you know you can jump across the line yeah. and all that kind of stuff. That obviously that's that, that's changing that time, and you're saying a lot about how he's a good penalty taker, but he a penalty shaver, but he moves. In they're not, in they're not days, legal saves. Everyone used, every goal used to move. They jump forward and they cut the angle down. Yeah. That was the tactic. I remember. Really I remember at this point, I just sank to my knees. Yeah, I was on sitting down. I just sank to my knees, and then by the end of the penalty shootout, I've actually moved. I realised at the end of it, I actually moved about four foot yeah. during <laughs> the penalty shootout. I got closer oh, and closer to myself. Right over the bar there, doesn't it? That's the uh, rookie mistake, isn't it? To go high into the top corner. Yeah. You always miss it. And in addition to that, because the season's wrapped up, we did a fantastic two-parter wrapping up the Premier League season as well. Um, fantastic. Just a bit of a deep dive. And we, we gave some awards. That was in tears, obviously. Best and West performers, highlights of the season, etc., etc. Who did we give the West award to? The West award to. <laughs> Have a listen. You think our our top scorer last season was Phil Coutinho with fourteen, and, all, and the all year before and, and and the year before that it was Sturridge with about thirteen, and then before that you you might be getting into Luis Suarez territory or something. So you know this is how good he's performed against previous Liverpool top scorers as well, it, and you know that's just Premier League. Yeah. Um, he's been unbelievable. I mean, we've spoken so much about him over the course of a year. I I just don't think this Liverpool side, like you said there is as good without Bobby Firmino and I don't think there's a player in world football that would swap for him yeah. which says a lot yeah absolutely what about yourself Chris it was Bobby Firmino yeah. amazing glossing over my inability to speak um, Milesy Clopsy 20 says what's it like having Klopp tell you watches the videos I, I don't friggin know is the answer to that but I imagine it's great okay yeah I imagine getting a selfie in California with Steven Gerrard is great as well but I wouldn't know about that either would I You've got some terrible decision-making abilities. Do you want to come and do this? Nah, I can't be asked. <laughs>
Oh, to be fair, I, I, the one, I have one thing that hangs over my head for my entirety of my life was I had tickets to a, a Peter Blake exhibit open at the Tate and I just couldn't be, I couldn't get anyone to go with me, I couldn't be asked getting a bus into town and I was like 17 and uh, Paul McCartney was there and I missed meeting Paul McCartney because I couldn't be asked going to town and I've never met Paul McCartney and I probably never will. And that haunts me to this day. So thanks, Jürgen, for coming over and saying a lot. Giddy like a school, little school girl. Like a little school boy. Like anyone, really. Giddy. Giddy, giddy, giddy. Um, unapologetically so. Like, uh, yeah, he blindsided me in a big way. And people have come to me and asked me about it. And there's a degree to which we talk about a lot of things that happen to us and a lot of them. And you get asked a lot of the same questions at times. And it can get a bit like, I've give you the same, given the same response. But um, no, I, like, I... I, I yeah, it just brings a smile to my face. Thanks, Jürgen, if you're watching. Thanks very much, mate. Um, right, we're going to move on. Jürgen, if you're watching, can you say hi to me? Please, because I, I really I really would we'll like you to him, say hi. We'll see him soon. Don't worry, I'm sure. Um, we'll track him down. Jürgen's only spoke to me once and he shouted at me. Jürgen, yeah. if you're watching, I'm sorry. Uh, Evan O'Reilly, Evan underscore 5397. Does Milner spend the final doubling up with Trent on Ronaldo or do we just go about our own business? Uh, I don't think tactically that's how Real Madrid will go at us, to be honest. Um, I, again, he is a centre-forward nowadays. Um, he doesn't tend to change his role for who the team's going up against. So he might go over to that left-hand side at times during the game, but I don't think it'll be... He'll just be taking advantage of space as opposed to, well, there's chance I'm going to go over there and mm -hmm. do that. Where he's just as likely to go and find some space on the other side. Who are they need. likely to have up against Trent? It's probably going to be Marcello. Right. Marcello. And because of the way the Cruz moves around the pitch, it's quite an unorthodox position the Cruz takes up at times. So his his tendency is is like when... It's like when James Milner's covering for Andrew Robertson. Mm -hmm. his like, you got Robertson moving forward... And then you've got Milner slotting into that space where Cruz tends to take up these weird positions to allow Marcello to go on and bomb forward. Oh, right. So it's going to be Marcello, I think, that's going to be playing up against Trent. Or it depends what formation they play because if they, if they play that sort of 4-3-1-2 that they've been playing over the last few weeks mm -hmm. as well, um, you're going to have somebody like Asensio probably rotate into that area of the pitch as well. So effectively, with Marcello. just to flip this on its head, they're effectively leaving either Cruz or Asensio up against Salah. Yes, and probably more likely Varane. All the best. But Varane is is very good in those situations, I've been told. Mm. I don't watch enough of Real Madrid. Um, but I was speaking to Gillian Balaguer yesterday and he said if there's one centre-back at Madrid that you'd want out there, it wouldn't be Ramos, it would be Varane. Because he's very good at those sort of last-ditch tackles. He's a very good tackler and stuff like that. That's Gillian Balaguer's words, not mine. Amazing. Well, yeah, again, that, there's going to be some stuff on the RedmanTV.com as well as the other stuff we've discussed. So if you want to go to the RedmanTV.com, start a free month. If you haven't started it yet, do it. What an amazing time to be a Red. What an amazing time to be alive. What an amazing time to be a TheRedMenTV.com subscriber. So much great content. We're going to be watching every one of the European Cup final wins as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As well as exclusives with Gil and Balagay. We've got, a, we've got a very special guest. We'll keep the very special guest, I think, under wraps for now, for next week. Yeah. Unless you want to go big on it. Nah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. The um, the um, yeah, so yeah, some some genuinely incredible stuff coming up. So yeah, please do go and subscribe to the website. Uh, you won't regret it in any way, shape, or form. I promise. 
the it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how, the, how the tactics line up and you're going to be doing some of that stuff with Statman Dave yeah we've got Statman Dave he's, he's been doing his research on Real Madrid he's coming in on Thursday this week that'll be going out next week as well um, we're, we're going to be looking at the evolution of the Real Madrid side under Zinazine's Zizou and we're going to be looking uh, at Liverpool over the last couple of years as well as Klopp's Dortmund to see the similarities and the, the tactical approaches that both managers will take we're going to look at some of the key battles we'll be looking at Marcello we'll be looking at uh, Tony Cruz we'll be looking at maybe a Modric as well as well as some of the Liverpool players I'll be taking a look at so I'm really looking forward to that that's taking a lot of my time at the moment but it's hopefully and it will be a great video Fantastic so yeah more tactical analysis coming up on both the, the website and on the YouTube channel as well Klopp IJ, uh, C Cat King. Um, do LFC really care about fans and the issue facing them to get to Kiev? This is a tough one, I think, Chris. Um, I, I don't think Liverpool don't care about fans, but I also think they could do more. If I'm perfectly honest, and I think I think some I think there's some I think there was a little bit of misinformation that came out the other week, wasn't there? Where it was like Real Madrid have given putting three hundred pound flights on for the fans, and everyone and everyone went ape shit. And Liverpool, why didn't you do this? And there was no evidence that that was a thing whatsoever. I've seen something else subsequently that said like they're putting five hundred or six hundred pound ones on, whatever. It's I don't. I think Liverpool could maybe do more than this. I'm not entirely certain what they could do. I mean, maybe subsidise certain flights or whatever or I don't know whether this is I think the problem with this is that we've you mentioned this on the show we've got a bit of luck here you know any other year it's a perfectly reasonable location for a football match to be taking place that it's Kiev that it's just it's exacerbated I think the fact that UEFA just it's just a really corrupt organisation for loads of rich fat cats and, and and companies when when you can get there for on a Eurostar or on a train and it doesn't take it doesn't kill you a week off to do it I don't think you're, you're as much asked about those things that are around it but when you look at Kiev and you look at the fact that hotel rooms are two, between two and three grand at the, at the cheapest when you look at you look at it between 12 1200 well you look at it between 600 and 1200 quid for a for a return flight which has got two stops in the arse ends of Europe on on the way as well I I really don't know I I I, 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 say, I don't have the answer but I do feel as though there might there might be more that, that could yeah, be done I've considered this and I I agree with what you're saying completely actually and part of the reason why is I don't know what departments of Liverpool would be set up to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone's got a job. Is there a department that just sits there waiting for something like this to happen? Or who does this job go to? Like, when something like this happens, it's like, well, we'll just turn to the Liverpool fans are in the shit department. <laughs> oh, wait, there's no one there. Like, who's who picks up the slack on this type of stuff? Oh, because Tony Barrett's been amazing as, a, as, a, as an ambassador and, you know, keeping everybody informed and stuff like that, but then it's not his job to go and subsidise or decide to subsidise flights for people. Yeah. And but how, the, but do you, how do you even go about doing that? But I should know. there be... I mean, I, my feeling is that there should be some sort of... Whether there's just a, a discretionary fund put away that's just there and it's break the glass in case of a ridiculous situation for Liverpool fans. So a match gets moved to a day when there's no trains to get you back, so you put a bunch of coaches on. And I know this is a massively different kind of situation, and the problem is you're talking about... You're talking about 16,000 people, more or less. That's a lot of flights. 
you've got you know what I mean you'd have to put on or whatever I don't I, I, this is what I mean I think it's a tricky one I don't, the you know, airport's quite small in Kiev as well isn't it so there's loads of different things whereby there's just not that many places that can get into the city Liverpool John Lennon airport's quite small as well you know I, I heard that there was like 70 attempts for chartered flights on the day of the game and they only were able to go through with like 20 of them or mm-hmm. something ridiculous like that but it shows the demand was always there which means that then people have to start going and finding different ways to get across yeah. and stuff I just don't know that and this might be this might be the club being wrong I just don't know that there's something set up for that and you know there's loads of things I'd like this club to do one of them would be subsidise you know in these type of extreme situations another would be a pound of everyone's season ticket money for every game goes to grassroots footballs in Liverpool. Yeah. Like I don't think that's a big thing to ask, but yeah. fifty-five thousand pounds a week or eighteen times a year would probably pay for grassroots football in Merseyside full stop for how many years? Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's there's tons and tons of things that I'd like Liverpool to do that they don't. I just yeah, that's this is the thing. I think it, it, a lot of this is a UEFA issue, and I think I think it's what I don't know if Liverpool care about fans. I think they do slightly more than they have done in recent years. I think they pay more attention. I think more efforts are being made. The appointments of Tony Barrett's being is a good example of that for me anyway. Uh, in my in my Peter experience Moore. of him, and to, yeah, to I think it, Peter it, it does come from the top, and it comes from the personalities within the club, doesn't but, it? As soon as they recognise that it's more than just the business, and those personalities. Rec- Recognise that it's more than the business, then you've got change. Yeah. But change can only happen over a uh, over a course of time. Yeah. You know, for example, and it's completely off topic, but you have women journalists in football and stuff. Now I'm sure they go through different things than male journalists do. Now there's more and more women journalists nowadays, but I would guess that they have to feel they feel like they have to go on and prove themselves more than men because the traditional view is women don't know anything about football and all that type of stuff and you know as more and more women get involved in the game and more and more women start to become journalists then that will change but it's going to take a long time for that to happen so that's what I'm kind of saying with the Liverpool stuff is that you can put these personalities in place but to filter that down throughout an organization and an industry mm. Is going to take a long time to change viewpoints. Yeah, I, I, to be fair, like I said, I think the, the point I'm driving at is that uh, Liverpool are, are, are taking positive steps. Sound. It's UEFA that don't care about fans, and they're the ones who've made this difficult for 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 it because they've put it, you know, in a in a in just in a city that's very very difficult to get to. And there's a question here from Michael Cohen. Actually, he says opinions on the final being hosted in Kiev in the first place. The only teams outside of the top five leagues to make the final in the past 25 years have been Porto and Ajax, and it's still nowhere near Kiev. I know they want to reach more markets, but it's unfair to suppose. Now, here's the thing. <sighs> Is it unfair on the people of Kiev to not be given a, a final because it's hard for us to to get there, taking our fan hats off, so to speak? Should pe- should the people of Ukraine be denied this kind of event because it can be because because we think it's a bit of a bawley? Not for those reasons, but if the infrastructure isn't right to host the final, and you and your city doesn't have the hotels and it doesn't have the Airbnbs and it doesn't have the airport to facilitate seventy thousand people coming in for one day, yeah. then yes, your city doesn't deserve it. It's got to go to cities that are able to be done. But then you, equally, you don't want to get into a situation where you like you throw like the way FIFA throw World Cups and then have to build a shit ton of stadiums. That really should go to a country that can facilitate it, and you're not going to destitute the people and kill them while they're working on stadiums and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, Somewhere in the middle probably <laughs> needs to be where where these things are held. Yeah, that's it. I, I, you like know. they've known about it for a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you know. But the thing is, again, it's not no one, no one's 
no one's complained until it's their no one complains until it's their problem, which is a problem of football all, all over, really, isn't it? Is that you know if we if we were that asked. This is the thing about the militancy of it is that look, it's affected us, so we're annoyed, and we, we should we're right to kick off and, and 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 you know and have a word and what have you. But what we should be doing from afterwards now is Liverpool fans and Spirit of Shankly and all the, the supporters groups and clubs who are likely to be in the Champions League should get together and look ahead over the next five years or whatever and see where where are the plans to have them. Let's start putting some plans in place to speak to to try and have a dialogue with you, Ethan, and say, come on, look, we don't want to be because it's tough. Because I've heard people saying. Just rotate it between Paris, Rome, Berlin, Munich, Glasgow, London, what you know, whatever. Pick the major cities in Europe and just rotate it through them. Is that a bit elitist? I, I don't know. I, I, it's it's it, it is a tough one because I don't think UEFA do it for altruistic reasons. No in any way, shape or form, but they will have that as a defence and it's not a bad defence to have at the same time. But, yeah, look, the only thing I'd say is that I think ultimately everyone who's going to get there will, will, you know, more or less, be, you know, people will find a way to get there by hook or by crook. And through that adversity, we tend to generate some incredible stories along the way. You know, I, I love listening to people's tales of getting to the Atatürk and, and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, it doesn't feel it at the time, of course, but um, hopefully, hopefully it's all it does made different to... by a win, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I'm gutted for the people who, you know, you're talking about there's people being forced to pay hundreds and hundreds of pounds now for tickets. Then you're paying thousands in travel and then being asked to pay thousands in accommodation. It's it's a shame. I saw someone say, I don't know whether it was Tony, I don't know whether it was uh, Nicky Alto, that one of those the old school lads saying, it's so annoying that people's experience of going to a Champions League final is being ruined by the stress that's being generated by going to it. It's just going to a game of footy. We didn't have this stress organising going to any of the games along the way. Why should it be this stressful to organise it to go to what should be a final, which should be the event that had the most thought? Because... As you rightly say, this is two or three years in the making. This isn't, oh shit, this team's drawn this other team. How do we get there? Oh, we'll chuck on some more flights. Oh, we'll chuck on some more trains. And we'll do with it. They seem to be able to sort it in that instance. It's mad that it's not being getting sorted for something as big as this. Um, ben Fisher. Good question, this. Fisher underscore Ben. Pick a five-a-side of Liverpool's left-backs all eras. Starting in goal. Good shout. Why? Came on for Rainer, was it, when he punched... Was it Franny Jeffers? It was Westerveld when he got oh, sent Westerveld off. Westerveld for, for Jeffers, was it? Yeah. In, I think it was 1999 or something like that in the derby. Like, um, I think we lost the game anyway, but I don't think Stoughton conceded. Um, so he's played in goal, so there's a little bit of experience there for me. Okay. Uh, I've gone Jamie Carragher. <laughs> Sounds, yeah. Kind of season at left back, um, so yeah, he's he's me he's me defender basically. Uh, then I've gone Alan Kennedy because he's you know scored some important goals over the years. Um, As we discovered though, watching the watching the eighty four cup, Alan Kennedy can't pass for shit. He's not there to pass. Um, <laughs> I'd probably take Fabio Aurelio for me, like really tricky player who who probably shouldn't have been a left back. Yeah. And then, you know what, I can't see past Robbo. I mean, I just want him, he's everywhere, mate, and, yeah. and that's my five aside. So I've gone for Julian Dixon goal because everyone loves to chuck a fat lad in goal like who, can't, who can't run. Sad. I got. I went for Steve Warner because I just think he, 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 he just loves to chuck it about a bit, get stuck in and what have you. And then he's just, he's basically anchoring me defence. And then I've got, and me attacking three is Robbo, Risa and Aurelio. John Arna, Risa, bang centre, 
just work it, have him arrive late on the edge and smash them in. That's that's that our sole tactic. And yeah, you've got your you've got your legs in Robbo and Warner. Are we playing in Sam, we're not playing Sam. We're playing the short ones. Though is Risa all right for that? Like, because I, I feel like he's going to sky quite a few. I mean, yeah, there's a good chance as any. But I mean, for a team of left backs. He's probably still. He's going to score a couple, isn't he? Yeah, he's gonna else. A like, um, yeah. I, I, I yeah, feel like, like he's one of them lads who, when you're playing five aside, basically from just on the edge of the area, he's going to hit it as hard as if he was playing a pass from. Yeah, the, from we we play with a couple of lads like that. We've got Jamie Richards, everyone knows from Redmen TV, and we've got Liam Tolan, people might know from United People's TV, and Jack Hart. And Jack Hart as well, for everyone TV as well, just lads who love twatting the ball really hard, and more often than not, over the crossbar. Um, yeah, tricky, skillful in Aurelio, power shot in reset, and then you work as in Warner, Robbo, and your fat lad in goal, and Julian Dix. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> Chris, I'm going to pick up with you on this one. Oh, the, yeah. the Anfield way. Yeah. Red underscore JY underscore. Why did Chan not leave in January? And let's have this as a wider conversation because your Twitter has blown up in the last 24 yeah, hours. Yeah, I put a tweet out saying, like, I don't understand why people are going mental on Emery Chan. You know, I mentioned it on the news show um, on Tuesday. And it just seems like people are really wanting to hate on Emery Chan. I got into a few mad conversations last night on Twitter about it. And people were like, you know, well, Liverpool haven't got a fee. And I was like, well... He's literally signed the contract and he's about to complete said contract. I mean, there was nothing in the contract that says he has to sign an extra two years so Liverpool can sell him for money. Yeah. You know, we're now in the stage where we're getting dead annoyed with a midfielder who's given his all every single time he's put on the red chair for us and has completed his contract with no problems whatsoever. Yeah. Yet, people were arguing me about, well, you know, at least Phil Coutinho was able to get us a fee. Phil Coutinho could have derailed our season. Phil Coutinho was faking fucking injuries to not play. You know, Phil Coutinho was upsetting the dressing room and calling senior squad members together to to try and get them to tell Jurgen Klopp and the owners that he should be that he should be allowed to move. And yet, Emre and this was the argument against Emre Chan, and I couldn't believe it. And I was just like, "What are you all like? Why? Why is it like this? Why? Why do we have to be like this?" Because. I went back and I looked at the Liverpool Echo from last year because I thought I remembered something. Liverpool refused to sell him. Yeah. And he's gone, OK, Sands. Yeah. And then why hasn't he left in January? Did a bid come in in January? I don't know. Yeah. But I don't remember a bid coming in in and January to for be, him. to be fair. He's in the Champions League. Yeah. Exactly why, the reason that we were telling Phil Coutinho that he has to stay with us. What's the point in you going to Barcelona now? You can get Champions League football here at Liverpool. Well, Emery Chan... Could have moved, maybe could have moved to Juventus, but couldn't play in the Champions League. It's that thing as well. Is that we we decided we needed midfielders. We needed Emery Chan. He was an important member of that 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 squad. We he wouldn't have been allowed to go in January. He wasn't allowed to go in January. So that the reason he that didn't leave in January is because Liverpool didn't want him to leave in January, and they've obviously thought maybe we can convince him. Maybe we can just show him that he, this is the right place for him. And, Hey, listen, you're exactly right, but let's not forget, we also knew that we couldn't sign Keiter in the summer. Now, had we signed Keiter in the summer, the answer may have been different on yeah. Emery Chan leaving in the yeah. summer. And look, there's the thing for me, and I, I, like I, Emery Chan doesn't go with my well wishes because ultimately, and whether it's on him or whether it's in his agent, it's not, it's not my, I don't have to fucking delve deep into this. I've got every right to be annoyed with a player who's chosen not to sign the new contract. And the reason, the sticking point boils down to, and I back Liverpool on this, is 
by all accounts, he wants a release clause that Liverpool don't think is fitting of his quality as a footballer and what they're prepared to invest in him. And they don't want to break, they don't want to start setting precedent of, of having release clauses in footballers' contracts. Well, if Emery Chan thinks that much of himself that he wants to have that, or thinks that little of himself that he wants to have that, fair fuck, so we can fuck off. I'm not asked. If someone doesn't want to play for Liverpool, I'm not asked about them. Which but that's is the totally li- fine. But that's the limit of it. I'm not like. He'll go and he'll he'll have a he'll have a very good career elsewhere because he's a very good footballer. I don't I've got no great positive feelings about him. I've got no great negative feelings about him. To be honest, I, again, I think I, I do think he's a good footballer, but at the same time, is he replaceable in that squad? Is yeah, he, is he worth breaking your wage structure or your contract structure for? Probably. I not. don't. Is Emery Chance so good? that you give him a, a release clause that means Roberto Firmino asks for a release clause and Salah asks for a release clause and Mane asks for a release clause and Van Dijk and everyone in between. No, 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 no. Emery Chan isn't good enough for that. If Mo Salah came to me and said, I'm not signing a new contract unless you give me a release clause, I'd consider it. And even then, Liverpool are bigger than and things and we're meant to, you know, if we've got a, a, a better plan and a long-term vision for it, I'd continue to tell everyone else to do one because you've got it. You've got to set. You've got to draw a line in the sand over some things, and some things are more important. And and not having teams come in and rob your players. Look at the state of Barcelona. What you know? What, what that the turmoil that caused the Neymar them. Deal. Because because PSG come in and had Neymar and the knock on effect that I ended up having. So yeah, I I don't want Liverpool in that situation. You know, we nearly lost Luis Suarez to Arsenal. Because we had a similar a similar sort of thing, nah. And as I say, I've got no uh, Emery Chan can fuck off as far as I'm concerned. That you know, if he, if he doesn't want to play for Liverpool, as far as I'm concerned, that will always be on him. I only hope that he has a really poor career off the back because I like I I love nothing more than lads. There's great. We've got a few Asai Hughes books. I don't know if they're down on the shelf here, but the consistent thread he's done that he did the players in the eighties, the nineties, and the noughties, and the consistent thread to every one of the players that he interviews who left Liverpool before leave retiring, before hitting their peak or whatever, yeah, is they let their ego get in their own way. They thought they but they thought they could do more, they thought they could do better. They went to somewhere else and they regret it to this day. And I hope Emery Chan joins the distinguished list of See, players. I, I don't wish I don't fucking... I don't wish him that at all. I just think you know what, he, he's gone, he's done what he was asked to do at Liverpool Football Club. Now if I could take a, a pick of what happens to him, yeah maybe I would. But ultimately he's done what we've asked him. And we were the ones who who didn't want to sell him. Um, if he goes on and has a good career, I'll be fine with that as well. It's, he, he leaves with no bad blood for me. Yeah, that's the difference because I don't think he's warranted it. You know, people coming out yesterday with tweets like, "Well, that's fucking karma. You're not getting in the squad for the World Cup. Why? Why? Because you didn't fucking sign a new it's contract. Not karma, it's, it's not karma. It's, it's, like, it's, 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 it's a fucking injury. It's injury. <laughs> yeah, it's not karma at all. Um, fantastic. Well, we had a few more questions, but we're going to wrap that up there. There's loads and loads. Of you. Thank you very much to everyone who tweeted in um, this week. Much appreciated. We're taking more questions next week. Next week, the podcast, the pre-Kiev podcast. <laughs> Oh my word. Yeah, listen, we do loads and loads of podcasting content. You've heard a little bit of it today. If you want more of it, more in-depth and detailed Liverpool coverage from every possible angle, cannot recommend the RedmenTV.com enough. So much great stuff. We've have, we're have we getting calls and emails and offers in left, right and centre from some, uh, some genuinely amazing guests. You'll have to get on the website and just just wait and see. As I start with Gillan Balagay, get involved with the, the 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 commentary tracks and the and the final words as well that we've done around the European Cup finals and a whole heap more as well. Thank you very much for watching. If you're on YouTube, thank you very much for listening. If you're on your podcast app, and walk on. <laughs>